I think that from a very young age watching anime and seeing, you know, those depictions of friendship, like I didn't have like a lot of friends growing up and I and I don't have a huge amount of friends now, but the intensity with which I love my friends and the amount of time and effort and energy I put into my friendships, I think has been like directly fed to me from anime. I feel like anime taught me you don't need to have a lot of friends, you just need to have the people that understand you, that love you at both your best and worst, that would take a bullet for you and that you would take a bullet for. Um, and that's how I feel about about my friends. Like, we cannot talk for three months, and if they called me and they're like, hey, look, I got a body I need to bury, I'd be like, bet, say less. You're listening to the Mana Podcast from Netflix. I'm your host, Matt Owens. I'm a screenwriter, co-showrunner on the upcoming live-action adaptation of One Piece from Netflix, and, most importantly, a lifelong anime fan. The Mana Podcast stands for Manga Anime Netflix Adaptation, and it's an opportunity for us to talk about our love of all things manga and anime. I've invited some of my closest friends to chat. We're going to keep this fun and casual, and we're really glad that you've decided to join us. This is the Mana Podcast. Oh, and also there will be spoilers, so check the podcast description for that list. Joining me on the Mana Podcast today, you know her, you love her, from Rain to Grey's Anatomy, my friend Adelaide Kane. Hi, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? I'm Adelaide Kane. You might know me from such projects as Teen Wolf, Rain, Grey's Anatomy, Once Upon a Time, and you know that one movie where people killed each other a bunch. There's several of those movies, actually. I had a long history in B-grade horror before <laughs> my career took off. I've been a Long-time actor and a longer-time anime fan since I was, like, a kid. I remember in, like, my early tween years sneaking into the living room with my little brother to turn on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network to watch, like, Trigun and Cowboy Bebop because that's what Adult Swim was. Back when I was a teenager in, like, the early 2000s, it was the only way that we could watch anime back then. And in my hometown, a volume of manga was, like, $20 because it was all imported. So I got a job very young so I could afford to like buy volumes of manga that I would read in 15 minutes and then I'd have to wait a month for the, the next volume to come into the one store in Perth that sold manga. So those are my credentials. And uh, and yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm here to chop it up about some of my favorite shows. So what would you say your favorite is? What is the one anime or manga for you? Mm. It's really difficult to just pick one because I have like the old school anime that I started on that always has a special place in my heart. And then, like, the newest stuff, there's some really cool, like, new stuff that's been coming out lately, like So I'm a Spider, So What. I really loved Kotaro Lives Alone. Like, Spy Family, I'm obsessed with. I really love Hunter Hunter. And I know it's like, everybody loves Hunter Hunter. Well, I do, okay? I do. I don't want to hear about it. From anime purists. Yu Yu Hakusho's better. Oh, my God. Are we going to get into a debate about this? It's the hill that I'm going to die on. Okay, well, you will die alone. <laughs> so, I don't know. I couldn't pick a favorite. I think the one that really stuck with me when I was a kid, so much so that I named my cat after the title character, is Ranma One Half. And that's like an old school sort of episodic style, gender bending martial arts anime from like the 90s. And not a lot of people understand that reference. I'm like, yeah, my cat's name is Ranma. And they're like, Ramna? Ramdan? And I'm like, Ranma. And not a lot of people get that that's, that's what I've named him after. But that was sort of like, you know, the beginning of the end for me. And I've been watching anime ever since. Yeah. So if I had to pick a favorite, I guess I'd pick that one. That's a great one. I remember going to Barnes & Noble back in the day and just 
you would only look at whatever was available, and it mm-hmm. was a really limited selection. But Ranma was one of them. It was like right up there, right next to like Inuyasha and a bunch of some yeah. really classic. It's like in that pocket, like during that time. And I, I remember very distinctly it was, you know, before they figured out that they needed to put age restrictions on manga. It was one of the few manga that like had boobs in it. Yep. <laughs> and now they have age restrictions on stuff. But oh my God, like... Walking into Barnes and Noble into like the manga section, it was it was wild. It was wild out there up until sort of I think like 2010 when they figured out that there was some like really adult content in some of that manga. Like I read stuff like online and in manga that I was much too young to be reading because they did not cotton on to the content until I guess it became more popular. And it's just it's so nuts because now anime and manga is cool and popular. It's a direct correlation between, like, the K-pop stands and K-pop becoming such a huge thing. And then, like, sort of by default, manga and anime and that kind of culture has now also become cool and mainstream. And I'm like, when was this when I was in high school? I was mocked relentlessly for liking anime and manga. Like, people thought I was a little creep. And to be fair, I was. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it's so funny because, like, that that stigma of being, like, an anime fan from when I was in high school, it's like, it's cool now. And I'm like... Where was this when I I could have been cool? I could have been cool. Um, and it's really it's really great. It's so fun just like watching all these kids like wander around in like their they're like one piece t-shirts and they're like, you know, Dragon Ball t-shirts and stuff. And I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know what the struggle was like. No, what we had to go through. What we had to go through. <sighs> but that's also, I mean, I think that's how growing up being interested in this stuff. That's how we found our friends. That's how we found our groups where who are the other people that are being bullied for wearing Hot Topic Dragon Ball t-shirts and going home early to watch Sailor Moon episodes? Yeah, I mean, Australia is like a very athletic culture and country. And even just like being really into reading books. So like my little nerd group in high school, we all had like very specific special interests I didn't really have a lot of friends that were super into sort of anime and manga. The friends that I did have were like in the boarding school and they were all from like Malaysia and Indonesia and they would give me these computed CD-ROMs full of like manga. And I got banned from using the computer because I wouldn't do any of my work. I would just like read volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of (laughs) manga in like these massive like four inch tall CD sleeves of manga discs that my friends would give me. It's so funny now, especially with the internet. It's like, even if you're in a small town where like nobody likes the things you like, you can have a whole community online. And I think with the popularization of anime and like animation in general, especially like adult animation, combined with the availability of streaming, the community is just much, much bigger and there's a lot more available. Like you don't have to go on sketchy websites like Manga Cat to like read your manga. There's like a now whole dedicated sections in the bookstore and it's really easily accessible online and you can sign up for... Mad Comics or whatever, or Shonen Jump, and read in real time as things come out. You don't have to wait months and months and months. It's awesome. There's just so much out there as well. And we only, like here in like the English-speaking world on like Netflix or other streaming platforms, we only have a microcosm of the content that's available that has been either dubbed into English or subbed into English. So it's really fantastic. Like you could just spend all day at home watching anime and not having a life, which I definitely don't do at all <laughs> and you're right the the creation of those those friendships those communities that is one of the the best things about manga and anime and that kind of brings us to the theme that i want to talk to you about today addy the, um, the power of friendship the power of friendship it's <laughs> something that is 
very important. Like that that term is really closely tied to One Piece. And it's used in a mm-hmm. way, it's like it describes friendship and family, but at a level that goes beyond those terms. It's the people that it doesn't matter if you are related to them or not, but it's it's your ride or die. It's the people that you would do anything for. And there it's the concept is something that really permeates a lot of series. You know, people, we do. We joke about the power of friendship, but it's... Yeah, because it's cheesy, but it's true. It is. It's true. And from One Piece to Seven Deadly Sins to Fairy Tale, it's like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That bond, that connection truly is one of the greatest powers and the greatest emotions that exist. So, like, what is... When you talk about the idea of... Nakama and like the power of friendship. What does that mean to you? I think that from a very young age watching anime and seeing, you know, those depictions of friendship, like I didn't have like a lot of friends growing up and I and I don't have a huge amount of friends now, but the intensity with which I love my friends and the amount of time and effort and energy I put into my friendships, I think has been like directly fed to me from anime. I feel like anime taught me you don't need to have a lot of friends. You just need to have the people that understand you, that love you at both your best and worst, that would take a bullet for you and that you would take a bullet for. Um, and that's how I feel about about my friends. Like, we cannot talk for three months, and if they called me and they're like, hey, look, I got a body I need to bury, I'd be like, bet, say less. And would show up with a shovel, you know? I think that it's also, like, a really important lesson, especially as you grow up. You know, as all of us grow up and we live home and you know we start our own lives your your friends do become your family they become your connection to like the outside world they become your connection to your heart and your emotion I would say even more so than romantic relationships like I invest a lot of time and effort in my friends because in my mind they're going to be there forever you know like those are going to be my people for the rest of my life And I think it's really cool that anime sort of sets you up for that in a weird way. Your friendships, like finding the right people, finding people who understand you and who you understand is so important in adulthood. And as you as you go through life, you know, because you leave your parents' house and your siblings and you all start your own lives and and just maintaining that connection with other human beings and finding people who might just sort of understand you better or teach you new things about yourself or about the world is like a really integral part of growing up, whether you do that in, in real life, whether you have that in your online community. And the amount of like support that you can find online and through special interests is really not to be discounted in a world like especially post-pandemic where like all of our social skills have gotten extraordinarily rusty, those of us who had any to begin with. And since we're anime stands, that's, that's really up for debate. But yeah, it's a fantastic thing to sort of instill in like kids and young people is that friendship is important and not only that, but friendship through good times and bad. Mm -hmm. I think in a world where we can feel more and more disconnected from like our fellow man and the world, it's a really beautiful part of what makes anime anime. And I think for a lot of us, I can only speak for myself, but for a lot of us that were like anime fans at a time when anime wasn't cool, that idea or that fantasy of friendship was so important to me. Like that was something I saw and I wanted. I wanted it so badly. And I I worked really hard to find find people to have as family, especially moving across the planet when I was 19, quite literally the other side of the planet to Los Angeles. I was like, I need I need friends. I, I want that. I want those people. I'm I'm across the world from everyone and everything I've ever known. And the only way I'll feel at home in this strange land that is the United States of America 
is if I find my people. One of the things that you brought up that I think is really interesting is, you know, a lot of main characters in anime series, especially in the shonen genre, mm. suffer from, you know, dead parent syndrome. They don't really have families oh, to speak God, of. no. So it's that found family trope exactly. is like is so important. And I, you know, I think that that is like anime does hammer home the importance of community, which I think some of us forget about, like how important that is to have community. I hate the dead parents thing because I'm like, couldn't you just, or it's like a single parent or like an abusive parent, but like even in everything, there's always dead parents. There's some, there's always some, at least one person who is dead. But that it goes to show that like you can have these really unconventional or sad familial lives or upbringings, but finding your people is possible and that connection can be Yeah, there's someone out there. There's someone out there who will be that family for you. And what's also nice is it shows you, you it, it's like it's not always perfect because no no family is, no friendship is, no relationship is because you look at people like Naruto and Sasuke who are best friends, but if literally tried to kill each other at multiple times throughout their lives. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Or look at Zoro and Sanji. Dudes Oh, my God, they should have each other on a regular basis. But they have each other's backs. Exactly. There's a, a wonderful moment in the Wano arc of the manga recently where Sanji's really dealing with the fact that he might be becoming the monster that his father tried to turn him into. And he mm. tells Zoro, hey, man, if things go sideways for me, I need you to kill me. Mm-hmm. And that just shows such a trust between the two of them. Yeah. Two guys who are always at each other's throats. It's like a profound act of trust. Yeah. And vulnerability. And it takes a real friend to be able to do something. Like, you, you know, your to closest able, friends able are the ones that are like— To even have that conversation yeah. and, like, ask that. And not only that, but, the, like, the level of, like, dedication and connection to respond to that request with, I've got you. Because, like, even as painful as that would be for me, I, I it would be more painful for— me to to see you become the thing that you fear the most. And, you know, that's one of the great things about our real relationships and friendships is mm-hmm. a good friend is someone who will support you and prop you up and things, but is also someone that's going to be like, hey, man, cut it oh. out. Go to therapy. Figure it out. Stop it. Stop. Like, I've had my friends do that to me, and I apologize. And I've been like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a you're, fair, right, you're, fair, right. Fair, you're right, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. All right, so Naruto and Sasuke, Zoro and Sanji, those are some pretty good examples. What are some other examples of this idea of Nakama that, like, really resonate with you? Hmm. You know what really just punched me so aggressively in the feels? Kotaro lives alone. I'm not a watering pot. I, like, don't cry ever, which is an ongoing conversation with my therapist. But Kotaro lives alone is just... (gasps) Oh, it hurts so much. Like, this poor little boy just living alone, and I... It was just the the as the as it unfolds. I don't want to spoil stuff, but like whatever, you haven't watched it yet. What are you doing with your life? You know, he moves into this building, and all of these kooky, odd, eccentric people who are also living in the building just like take it upon themselves to become his new family and to take care of him and love him and look out for him and teach him the things that he needs to know. And it's just it's so beautiful. I think like. Anyone with abandonment issues would watch that and be like, (gasps) it's just so gorgeous. And I think what I really love about anime is how, for the most part, as as flawed as most characters are, most of them also have, like, redeeming qualities about them. So, like, even though you have these, like, zany, weird characters that are almost, like, losers in the world of the anime, like, 
their inherent goodness and kindness and caring when there is this child in their life that just needs help and support and love and guidance is like, it was really beautiful. And then on the other hand, you have stuff like Kilua and Gong from Hunter Hunter. I knew we were coming here. Of course we were, because I love Kilua. All right, so state your case. Much. I love Kilua so much. And he's just like such a prickly, resentful, standoffish little dude. And then Gong just sort of like blasts into his life with like his sunny, almost psychotic levels of like optimism and drive. Like Gon is terrifying and that he's almost conscienceless and that he's like just so interested in everything all the time, regardless of whether morally or ethically it's good or bad. And he has his very own strict moral compass that he follows. And as he continues to power up through the series, I'm like, oh, you could be either a god or a demon. And Kilo's just like, oh, Jesus, okay, whatever you need, bud. And it's just, is always there, just like against his will, just loves his friend so much and would do anything for him, like to the point where he even overcame Illumi's mind control stuff. And I, I think that that really is like a true representation of like the power of friendship that like through friendship and through healing through this friendship, you know, he's become a stronger, better version of himself, a more kind, softer, empathetic version of himself. It's that old sort of villain hero trope where it's like, if you're alone, then like, you can never be heard and you don't like people don't let you down and blah 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 and it's like no actually through like the power of love and friendship you can become a stronger better version of yourself mm-hmm. and that's how i feel about hunt hunter so well do you, do you have a rebuttal am i wrong i i do have a rebuttal here's Is why it's going to be the black cova conversation all over again i don't know them uh here's <laughs> here's why yusuke and kuwabara are a better example of this ideal because right, you have no just wait it's it's you'll see um i don't disagree i'm just being contrary Please you have continue. to see this is this is our nakama uh dynamic mm-hmm. right here you have these two young men these two like 14 year old kids who they hate one another but it's birthed out of a mutual respect that neither of them understand how to actually put into words and that kind of a bond makes both of them grow, not just as individuals, they have to grow up. And their rivalry that turns into understanding and Mm -hmm. respect not only helps them grow as fighters, but it helps them grow as young men, Mm -hmm. learning that that kind of toxic masculinity, that rivalry that they have, that's not how you have to interact with another young man. And so there's so much personal and paired growth to the two of them over the course of that. Because you look at those early episodes— and they're just wanting to fight each other in the street all the time. And then as you continue moving through the series, these two have each other's backs at every point. And I think there's a lot of really great lessons to be learned from that. And also, I think that Yusuke and Kuwabara could take Gon and Killua in a fight if it came down to it. That's an argument we will have at a, at a later date. That's fine. Okay, it's going to get too heated for It'll get too heated and then we'll waste all of this time. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pin in that. We can do that. To fight about later. Yeah, you know, I think something that anime does really well when it's not being irritatingly horny, which is a bone I have to pick with the community in general, as I'm like, where are the romance animes that aren't just like super horny all the time? Because I'm... Don't bring the horny stick out on us. Uh, look, this is this is from someone who's a massive fan of Food Wars. Like, Oh, God. You know? And we know this, and you mock me for it relentlessly, and I that's do. like totally fair. 
the judges ending up naked was always my favorite part because, like, uh, teenagers like that. But I think what anime does really well is representing close, intimate, communicative relationships between male characters and young men, which I think is something severely lacking in a lot of modern media. And in, like, the raising and education of specifically, like, cisgender males in general— is like you're not supposed to be emotionally close to your friends. Like women, we got it on lock. That's like how we're raised is to like be emotionally open and communicative and vulnerable with our female friends and to be affectionate with them. That's totally okay. In fact, it's weird if you're like not like that, which is a problem in and of itself for a different conversation. But I, I do like that in anime, like a lot of the friendships between men and male characters and young boys, it is affectionate and they're there for each other emotionally and they and they communicate with each other and when they have fights and arguments they make up with each other I think that that's really important because I think a lot of men don't have true emotionally intimate companionship with other men in their lives and I think that that's really problematic because then their female partners become like their sole emotional outlet and like frankly I ain't trying to do that kind of labor if I'm in a relationship with a man or a woman I don't want to be their sole emotional support it's exhausting Nobody has it in them. So I love that that's really, really represented like through Nakama and then the, the power of friendship and all of that, that that's a really strong recurring theme in anime. And most of like the male anime stands that I know have much healthier friendships with their male friends and have much better communication skills, I think as a result of growing up with that representation in anime. Like you have excellent communication skills, even when you're wrong. And <laughs> Doesn't happen a lot, but okay, go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, but like all the male weebs that I know, generally speaking, I said generally because I know that there are a lot of like anime stands that are shitty communicators and, and suck as there is in all fandoms ever. But like you and our Annie Hose, like Tony and Mason and Jacques are all very communicative and like very emotionally in touch with their male friends and, and hence with like their female friends and their partners. And that's really wonderful. And I don't think it can be overstated that I do think that's a, a direct result of the representation of friendships in anime. I think one of the best examples of what you're talking about right now is in My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. I think Deku is such an emotional character and it's presented not necessarily as a flaw, but as something for him to overcome. The confidence is so much about what his journey is, and a lot of that happens through his interactions with his classmates. Obviously, his relationship with Bakugo is very particular because Bakugo is not a good friend. Look, the boy's got growth. But Bakugo himself is an extremely emotional character. They're two sides of the same coin, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, why they're set up in opposition. Like, Bakugo is, you know, that vaunted version of male emotionality, which is anger is the only emotion you're allowed to express, and there's, there's no vulnerability, and he has to be tough, and he has to be the best. And, you know, his anger is not, well, almost, like, dismissed but is accepted and almost encouraged as, like, a part of his masculinity and his, like, hero, whatever, and it's permissible. It's like he has permission to be angry and pop off, which I think is problematic for him in his character development initially because, you know, it's socially acceptable for young men to be aggressive, especially, you know, or training like that, and it's violence. It's you're fighting, literally, the villains. And I think that his sort of emotional development You know, when you go too far into anger, it's like anger becomes uh, hatred, whatever, and hatred becomes evil. Like, he he walks a very fine line 
between ultimately becoming a villain if he doesn't learn to temper that anger. And then by that same token, Deku and his, you know, he's deeply emotional as well. He he cries a lot and sure he has his insecurity, but ultimately he's like his determination and his faith in himself and then his friend's faith in him carries him through. And I, I think it's very cool that even though he's a crybaby and even though he gets teased for it, he he does exist in that emotional space and lives in it and through his friends and as he gains confidence in his training, you know, all of us have to learn to control and manage our emotions in healthy and productive ways. Both of those sets of like emotional outputs can either be used for good as like motivation to be better and to get better and to be stronger, or they could both potentially go down very, very dark paths. And I think that my hero really the emotional development of both of those kids. And we have to remember, these are teenagers. Right. I don't know if you remember being a teenager. My emotions were all over the place. That takes years to learn how to not only not feel ashamed of being emotional or being out of control emotionally, but also to like learn to breathe through it and not let those emotional outbursts hurt the people around you. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate about how the creator, Kohei Horikoshi, has done Bakugo's Legend. character because he could have very easily taken Bakugo down a dark path. It that would, would have been almost too easy. predictable, though. And yes. he did a wonderful job at, like, showing that development. Because that anger isn't making him a villain. It's just a part of who he is. It's something that he has to deal with. It's something that he has to overcome. And I think he's started doing that, especially where we are in the manga now, that just because he isn't able to control or express his emotions that well, it doesn't make him a bad person, which is a really important lesson to learn. Like you're saying, for those years, those teenage years, that's something yeah, that we, that we all have to learn. Because I think that, that when we as people get really overly emotional, no matter what emotion it is, I think particularly young men, but also young women or non-binary persons, when those feelings are so big and so overwhelming, there's a lot of shame that comes along with it. Because societally speaking, neither men nor women are supposed to have these like really big emotional, like you're seen as unstable or unhinged or dangerous in some way. I think like seeing a representation of that in media and in anime in particular, and then the growth into like these feelings are okay to have. It's all right to have big feelings and learning to deal with them in a healthy way instead of like repression and then explosion or, you know, wallowing to the point of toxicity or lashing out either at yourself or others is like super valuable. It's super valuable to see that growth represented and I think it's very educational and like a weird way. Like I myself had anger issues for many, many years and I had to learn how to how to deal with it. And it's hard because I thought I was sad. And it's like, no, it's actually really like deeply, profoundly angry about a bunch of stuff that's happened in my life. And part of my therapy to work through that was one, recognizing that I was angry. Mm-hmm. And then two, recognizing that anger, much like joy, is a very energetic emotion. And if you try and push it down, it has to come out. It's energy. It has to come out. And it can come out in either destructive or productive ways. And I think that's the lesson that like Bakugo was learning. He can channel that anger into productive pursuits once given the tools to like communicate and understand where it's coming from and what he could do with it, both good and bad. But you can channel that. So like once I figured that out, channeled that energy into like cleaning my house. 
you know, or going to the gym or like whatever. And it's really useful. Anger is a very useful emotion. All emotions are very useful if you utilize them appropriately. And kind of bringing it back to theme, a lot of the ways that both Deku and Bakugo learn how to do those things is through their relationships with other characters. Mm -hmm. Making friendships not just with each other, but when you start to, what's interesting is you know you have those two kind of factions that sort of form around both of those characters. Mm-hmm. Bakugo has like the Kirishima and the, he has the Baka Jiro's. Squad. He's got and his Baka the Deku squad. squad. Yep. And so in in having people see past what might be surface level for you or what you project out there, mm-hmm. and really see, okay, you might be a crybaby or you might be an angry asshole. There's a lot of other stuff that I can see behind you, and now I'm going to ride with you, and that's. That bolstering, that idea of people seeing you and accepting you, flaws and all, mm-hmm. is really powerful. Not only for, like, the 10% that they know, but for the 90% they don't know. Yep. For, like, the potential they see in addition to the flaws that are already present. I mean, I feel that way about my friends. Like, I've seen my friends through, like, good times and bad times and when they're their best selves and when they have not been their best selves. And they've seen me the same way. And they still love me, warts and all. Like from, you know, from rooftop to basement, the good and the bad, the really beautiful and the really ugly. They love me 100% for everything I am and for everything I will be and everything I have been. And I think that that's ultimately like what friendship is about. So along those lines, if Mm. you were to, if you were to pick like your Nakama, like you're building your crew, your pro hero agency who are some characters from anime that you feel you would want by your side for whatever reason? Just because you love them, because they've got skill sets that you don't? Because that's also what it's about, you know, friendships and team building and stuff. Everyone in a group of friends isn't always the same. You're well, filling gaps. Well, I would hope gaps. not. You're, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you want people around you that, like, inspire you to to be different or, you know, that have cool stuff going on. That's how I pick my friends anyway. Like people I think are really inspiring and really impressive and who I look up to for whatever personality traits they have that I feel I'm lacking, you know. Um, Okay, Uh, can I pick from like any anime ever? Yeah, go for it. Mm, I mean, okay, so from One Piece, I, just the whole crew, I would like to be part of my hero team. From Hunter Hunter, I'd say Killua and Gone, I really love. I also really love Bisky. I know a lot of people don't really love Bisky, but I really love Bisky. And we can talk about jewelry and gemstones and stuff. So I really love Bisky from Hunter Hunter, and I don't want to hear anything about it. I want Faye from Cowboy Bebop and also Ayn. Also Ayn. Nope, fair. You need an animal. Yeah, I love Ayn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd want Miss Macrophage from Souls at Work. She is a baller. No, that's a good one. Miss Macrophage just like lays the hurt. All the time. And then when she's in, she's like, la, 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 with all, like, the babies. Uh, let's see. I'd want Hawk from Seven Deadly Sins, just because I like pigs. I'd want Sailor Moon to be part of my squad as a literal goddess with the ability to tear apart the fabric of the universe. I just want to, like, keep my eye on her. just want her to be around. So you bring up Sailor Moon, which, on its own, phenomenal series. And one of the really cool things about it is it's such a good representation of female Friendship. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, every member of that group has their own, like, distinct individual personalities, and they all get on or don't get on or have their, like, issues with each other on, like, a, on a regular basis. Like, much with true friendships, like, there's sometimes when you're just not going to vibe or you have arguments or you have fights, and, and they're always so communicative and fantastic about coming back together. And then also about, like, keeping the main 
The main goal and focus, no matter what kind of arguments or internal struggles they're having, they all show up for each other when push comes to shove, like when it's when it's really crunch time and it's like, I'm going to save the universe again. They all show up and they and they put it aside. And I think through a lot of those battles, you know, they come out the other end just being like, that's right. That's the the true friendship exists like beyond these petty disputes, which I think is a really good representation of like true friendship. I mean, sure, we're not like saving the world in in real life, but you know, it is a good reminder that at the end of the day, true friendship exists like beyond and outside all of these like petty arguments or whatever that you might have. I really like the friendship in Kakagurui as well uh, that sort of develops um, between our, our lead girl and all the names are escaping me. Um, and a little blonde pigtailed bestie who is such a bitch when you first start the series and just watching their friendship kind of grow. And it, it's just a hilarious case of like the black haired girl is has the golden retriever energy and the blonde <laughs> is like the mean black cat energy and just watching those two go from being like kind of contentious and like oil and water to such fast friends that they're just like wrecking people's shit together is then like they got there through like mutual respect and and cooperation and really play on each other's like strengths and knowledge uh, to ultimately succeed together and as they bring like other women into their group and I think the representation of female friendships in anime especially how they grow and develop is also really important in a world where a lot of women are sort of pitted against each other for whatever reason like seeing representation of women working together is really important and fabulous and I love Kakagurui as well. See, we're using all these great examples and I think it should be noted for those of you who don't know the creator of Sailor Moon and mm-hmm. the creator of Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. are married in real life. They're married. That is the anime and manga royalty it's right the, there. That's that's the king and queen. That's like the royal couple of anime, which is so cool. And they both just like clearly know exactly what Nakama Power Friendship is all about. So you've talked about how difficult it was when you first moved from Australia to the States and really having to find your mm-hmm. people, who are who are those Nakama that you have in your real life right now? And how are some ways that they've they've helped you along the lines of the things we're talking about today? Well, there's you, the Stannas. I really appreciate our friendship, not only because you also like anime like me, and not a lot of my very close friends are into anime and manga the way that I am. I don't have a huge amount of like anime manga friends in my sort of like age group. And I, I really appreciate that you always like call me on my shit. You're one of the few people I can, like, have arguments with without it getting, like, mean. Like, we bicker about stuff all the time. And I, I really love that about our friendship is that we can bicker and it's and it's all good. I mean, we argue about anime all the time. And it's fantastic. I feel like I don't have that with a lot of people. Like, my friend Rachel is one of my best friends. And she... <laughs> She, like, almost pathologically supports me through all of my crazy phases. And, like, Rachel has absolutely seen me at my best and my worst and still just loves me and is ride or die. And I think she and my friend Lysla sort of showed me that I am deserving of love and care and consideration and friendship even when I am at my worst because Lysla has seen me at my worst as well and my best. And for those two in particular, I want to be my best. Like, I want to be the best friend I can possibly be for both of them who have both shown up for me, like, 
emotionally and physically. And they're ride or die. They've they've stuck with me and continued to love me through some of my most like difficult times as an adult, as have you. And as far as I'm concerned, like that's worth more than anything in the world. It just makes me want to be a better person and someone that y'all can be proud of in addition to someone that I can be proud of. I don't know how you could have better answered and exemplified the idea of Nakma. All right, give me some recs. What are you watching right now? What's good? At the moment, I'm watching Spy Family. Yep. I'm obsessed with Spy Family. It's adorable. It's so cute. I'm currently wearing a Spy Family t-shirt with Bond and Anya on it. Um, Katara Lives Alone, I highly recommend as well. Uh, I know we've talked about it already, but it's just, it's a really beautiful anime and definitely, definitely worth a watch. That's what I'm watching right now. I just rewatched all of Hunter Hunter and I rewatched like half of Bleach and then I was like, eh, I'm bored. But like, you oh, did, did you not just did you not just jump into Thousand Year Blood War? No. You should. Really? Yes. Should I? Yes. Is it super gory? No, it's not super gory. No. Well, like give me the pitch. What it's is violent. It? It's Yeah, uh, but everything's violent. It yeah, it is. The Quincy's are declaring war. On Soul Society, and they've got some seemingly pretty <gasps> oh! valid reasons for doing so. Oh, so we're going to get a bunch of answers about that whole thing. We are. And it's it's just some of the most beautifully animated. So they're putting end of season fights in just the middle of the series. Damn, okay. It looks beautiful. Interesting. All it right. It looks beautiful. I need to I need to um, get some more One Piece under my belt as well. I think I'm about like four seasons in, but I have to take breaks from it because there's so much. Things are good right now, though. There's so much. We're we're getting to the really good parts of Wano. A lot of the one-on-one fights mm-hmm. are in the midst at the moment, especially with my girl Nico Robin. I'm excited to see more Nico Robin fights because she doesn't have like a lot of a lot of fights, like a lot of one-on-one like battles. And I feel like she uses her devil fruit power so much that we don't see her necessarily in physical altercations all that much. And like as a Fishman Karate Master, I want to see more of her stomp, stomp bullshit. Like I yep. want to see more of her like float like a pedal, cut like a razor type shit. I really, I really love Nico so much. And she's such a sick character. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on my, on my to-do. I feel like there's like so, do you have any recs? Uh, I'm catching up on Shaman King right now. I had never mm-hmm. watched it back in the day, but when they started remaking it and they dropped like batches of episodes on Netflix and I've been catching up on them as they're coming out and I really dig it. it, it I feels hear like really good things. That, I haven't taken the time to watch it yet. It's fun. Look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a shonen boy through and through and this feels like something that I would have loved if I'd no, watched it when I was- you really? Yeah. A shonen boy stuff. It's all I'm, I'm watching. Shaman King, My Hero Academia, Bleach, Chainsaw Man, One Piece, Spy Family, Season 3 of Mob Psycho 100. It's just so many things to watch in so little time. We're eating good. There's yeah. so much. You know what I really loved? A manga that I really, really loved that I read recently that made me cry buckets. A Man and His Cat. I haven't read it. Oh, I have the first five volumes. Also, I'll, you still have my Flying Witch volumes. Yes, and I, I told you. I was like, I need to return these. And you were like, no, those aren't mine. And I was like, yes, they are. I still have like three of them. So I'll bring them by next week. I would never say that. Flying Witch is the greatest slice of life series it's ever It's beautiful. Created. It's so cute. Also, people, if you haven't read or watched Flying Witch, do it. Well, Addie, those were a lot of really good recommendations. You've, you've always been <laughs> great at giving me new things to 
watch like Bofity. I always say when I'm into that, it came from it's you. It's so cute. It's very wholesome. And as someone who's over the isekai genre a little bit, it was a nice injection of something different. Thanks, man. It was, uh, it was a pleasure having you on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me. Nah, thank you for having me. It's been great. I haven't, I haven't gotten to sort of chop it up about anime in a hot minute, so I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And for those of you who leave comments in the comments section, I don't, I don't. I'm not going to fight with you about the animes that I like. Just live with it. I will fight with you. <laughs> I absolutely will, especially if it's about Hunter Hunter versus you, Hakusho. I am prepared at any point in time. <laughs> ready to throw hands at any point well thank you everyone for listening to the Mana Podcast and a big thanks to my own Nakama Adelaide Kane for joining me on this episode Ah, thank you so much for having me you can catch Addie on literally everything she's always working <laughs> she does so much great stuff uh, right now on Grey's Anatomy and you can follow them on Instagram at, at Adelaide Kane And so if you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Please leave a rating and a review, hopefully positive. I'm very sensitive. I'm Matt Owens. Thanks for listening.